In November, the state announced the expansion of a pilot program that has been utilized to support New Yorkers who are providing care to family members with chronic or acute health conditions. To discuss the expansion of this public-private partnership, which is designed to prevent emotional and physical burnout, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Greg Olson, director of the New York State Office for the Aging. Welcome back to the show, Director Olson. Oh, thanks, David. Pleasure to be here. So the initiative in question stems from a partnership between the state and a company called T-Care, which has developed assessment tools used in states all over the country and also by uh, the military. What are the services they've been providing to date in New York? Uh, We got exposed to T-Care, and the T stands for Tailored Care. When they did a, a project in the state of Washington that showed millions of dollars, they were able to save the Medicaid program by reducing the stress and the burnout from people who are providing this care. One of the number one reasons for nursing home placement is is when a family friend or neighbor can no longer provide the type of care because the tasks become too burdensome. So what T-Care really does is creates a tailored plan based on first a, a screen and then an assessment to identify some of those problem areas, depression, anxiety, stress through the caregiving experience, and then develops a care plan through our network where we can connect them to local community resources to try to uh, reduce or eliminate that stress so that they can continue to provide quality care to a loved one. And is this like an online screening tool that utilizes artificial intelligence, or is this something where there are actual human beings that are assessing uh, the needs of the caregivers? It's a great question. So for us in the aging network, we our expansion and what this press release really was is what we are now statewide. So individuals can go to the T-Care website absent our network and actually do the screen for themselves. For our network, in order to access some of our federal caregiver support programs, because the federal government had kind of changed some of the things the states were required to do, we decided to use T-Care as that mechanism. So the screen can be done online independently, or it can be done over the phone, or it can be done in person. If the score that comes back on the screen triggers that a more comprehensive assessment is needed, then we will refer to a T-Care specialist, depending on the county, to do the more comprehensive assessment. What the tool actually does is has algorithms in it that depending on uh, how you answer the particular questions will then create a very specific plan based on the answers to those questions so that we can get people the support that they need. Well, what are some of the elements of a plan that this uh, screening assessment might produce? So if you're looking at the screen, obviously everything takes into account demographics, but it will look at things like, you know, when did you start as a caregiver, rate your overall health, what your responsibilities, how do you feel currently, have you ever considered placing your loved one in a nursing home? We measure burden and depression, diagnostic conditions. Does the care receiver have cancer, Alzheimer's disease? And, and that's just the screen. And there's a lot more questions in the, in the assessment form. But then what it'll do is if I'm triggering things like depression or my burden level is high because I'm spending you know, 20 hours a week, we can get uh, individuals connected to uh, some mental health treatments. We can get them connected to services. So You know, we often talk about caregiver services as direct. Those that support caregivers, like respite, 
That gives people a break from their caregiving responsibilities. Support groups so that you're not alone because we have 4.1 million people in New York that are doing this. Social adult day programs where you can send your loved one to a, a constructed and coordinated place during the day so you could work. But then there's those indirect caregiver supports which actually take the burden off like home delivered meals, transportation, assistance with personal care. If somebody needs help, bathing and dressing and toileting, things of that nature. So that's what the care plan is really designed to do. And then we can connect them with our New York Connects resource directory, which has over 100,000 caregiver and respite programs listed by zip code or by content area, as well as some of our free offerings. Our Trualta evidence-based application provides uh, education, training, and support for caregivers, again, of any age, that is free for anybody in New York State, and our partnership with Archangels, which is our caregiver intensity index, which in less than two minutes can really show somebody based on what they're doing every day and to whom, whether they're in the green, meaning I'm good, I'm in the, or I'm in the yellow, which means there's some concern, or I'm in the red, which is I'm in crisis, and then we connect them again to, uh, to the resources that we have on hand already. What sort of analysis did the state do of the pilot program to determine uh, an expansion of the relationship with T-Care was warranted? So that's still ongoing and a great question. So we saw the Washington data, which showed, again, over $10 million in Medicaid savings. We started our partnership with T-Care around 2019, 2020. But by the time we were up and running, COVID hit. So we had to put it on hold. But we had about 12 counties that participated. And what we're able to show from initial data, and this is still coming in and still being evaluated, is people were able to either maintain their current level or reduce their burden measures and depression so that they could continue to provide the care with additional support services so they didn't have to place somebody in a nursing home. The opportunity we have now going statewide is we're going to get a lot more data because we're going to have a lot more screens. We're going to have a lot more assessments and a lot more follow-up. So we'll be able to actually put a dollar figure on, you know, if you were able to keep somebody at home for six months or 12 months, you can easily do the math on what the savings is for Medicaid, because when you wind up in a nursing home, people spend down either immediately or very, very quickly due to the high cost of uh, nursing home care. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the potential savings, but first, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. This is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Greg Olson, director of the New York State Office for the Aging. So you talked about the experience, say, in Washington State, where they were able to save Medicaid dollars by utilizing this assessment tool. If New York is successful and does see a similar result statewide, what will you do with the savings? Does that get reinvested into services for older New Yorkers, or will that be gobbled up by some other part of the state budget? Well, I, I think that's the dialogue. The first thing you have to do is measure the efficacy of the interventions. And so whether it be T-Care or many of the other things that we're doing, we're seeing unbelievably great data, not only with caregivers, but reducing social isolation and loneliness, et cetera. You know, then what you do is you talk to the, the people that you work with, the division of the budget, the governor's office. Certainly there's a role for T-Care with other state agencies, Office of Mental Health, Persons with Developmental Disabilities, OASIS. And then you can talk to, of course, the health department, then you can talk to payers. 
uh, Medicaid, that's the health department, uh, Medicare Advantage plans, mainstream plans, and, and then the federal level, CMS. Because what we are all trying to do is improve quality of care, reduce costs, and make outcomes better. And if you're able to implement an innovation and show by the data that it works, you know, what we need to be doing then is institutionalizing that into the work that we all do, not just have a report that sits on a shelf and says, yeah, we tested it at work and let's move on. Well, you identified a range of services and supports for these informal caregivers. But one of the things that we didn't mention was this idea of either paying these caregivers directly or offering them some form of tax breaks. So what do you think of investing that money into those caregivers in the form of money back in their pockets? Because I have to imagine that would really improve morale as well. Yeah, I think there's a difference, David, between improving morale and actually making a difference. So there are groups out there that um, are interested in providing tax breaks. The average individual who is a caregiver for somebody spends about five to $7,000 a year of their own money. But what a tax break does is either reduces your tax liability to nothing or gives you a little bit back you know, after uh, tax filing season. What it doesn't do is provide support for the individual the other uh, 51 weeks of the year. So those dollars wind up being in the billions when you provide those types of tax breaks. And for much, much less money, if you can provide the community-based supports that counteract what families are doing, like meals, like transportation, like social adult day, like personal care, things like that, the impact on the caregiver is much, much more measurable and makes much more of a difference than providing a tax break. Well, sticking with the idea of ensuring access to care, there's New Yorkers who might not have uh, an immediate family member or a friend who can step up in a significant way for them. And as opposed to putting them into, say, a nursing home, the state probably has a vested interest in ensuring they get some sort of care. And for those people, you're obviously going to have to pay for it. So with the state proposing that agencies have flat budget proposals for 2024, how do you reconcile that need for formal caregivers and the likelihood of flat funding, at least in terms of the governor's initial budget proposal? Well, I think the governor's budget proposal, and as as somebody that's been around for a number of years, is a starting point in terms of what the priorities are and where we're going. And then, of course, there's there's hearings and then there's a negotiation with with the legislature for those people that don't have somebody. And we have a lot of those folks on our our payroll, David. uh, That's what we do for a living is provide many of those services that I talked about, both in the home and in the community for the folks that we serve. They are just above Medicaid and we want to keep them that way and so that they can live independently as long as possible. For those that are eligible for Medicaid, they could get their services through Medicaid. One of the mechanisms, I think, to address all of these issues is the governor's master plan for aging, where literally there's a hearing as we're speaking right now in Harlem, New York. We've been all over the state and working for a year. I think what we know is based on data is only 10% of healthcare spending is due to a healthcare diagnosis. 70% is due to our personal choices and the environments in which we grew up. So the majority of older adults, persons with disabilities, younger persons with disabilities, et cetera, live in the community. 
And the master plan really is about how to rebalance, uh, develop some bold initiatives and so on so that we can support people in the community, which is exactly where they want to be. Although the AARP and a bunch of advocates recently wrote to the governor saying that the flat funding directive completely defies uh, the idea of implementing a robust master plan on aging. But moving forward, when it comes to services provided under the umbrella of the Office for the Aging, what do you view as the likelihood of decreasing, say, the wait list for some of the services provided all over the state, whether it's uh, personal care, social adult day services, caregiver support, legal services, transportation, you name it? Is there a path forward to actually cutting down the wait list for these important services? Well, to date, David, we received uh, $99 million in additional funding over the last five years to um, address those unmet needs. I saw the letter that you're referring to, and I believe that the way that the budget process works is that's going to be something that is going to be highly discussed between January and, and April. And, you know, again, as somebody that's been around a while, that process will will unfold. There will be a lot of different interests that will come to the governor's office, whether it be about, you know, older adults or children and everybody in between housing uh, to try to advocate for what they're interested in. And given, I think that we have a master plan uh, process, we have a lot of advocates that are very vocal in terms of what the needs are. This will be part of the conversation over those four months. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. We're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Greg Olson. He is the director of the New York State Office for the Aging. Director Olson, thank you so much for making the time. David, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. For more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.